this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Okay. Welcome to Feature Creep. Colon. Built-in microwave. I jumped the gun. I was so excited. Do over. (laughs) Ready, go. No, I'm I'm too depressed to do it all over again. Oh, the joy of melancholy. That's where we are. That's the part after the semicolon. (laughs) Um, We could fix it, but we just don't have the energy. We don't have it in us. So... Yeah, let's talk about melancholy and how great it is. Yes, I'm I'm really on board with this. Um, should we start with some context? Sure. Okay, so... Uh, well, what is mel- melancholy? It's a, type, it's a of, type of depression. Right, it's a type of depression. And um, we did some very thorough research, all of about three minutes of googling and looking at wikipedia essentially yeah i read the top half and you read like the bottom half yeah. of the page on melancholia <laughs> <a team> effort. <laughs> right we really ripped through it pretty quickly yeah um i i mean it has a very fascinating history i, I as always people find very interesting things to write about things on wikipedia and melancholia is definitely one of them um so melancholia is essentially an early mental diagnosis or something like pre kind of modern medicine yeah like ancient greeks uh had words for it so let me um let me just elucidate here yeah please by all means so uh what wikipedia has to say and i don't believe it anymore if it's not on wikipedia right <laughs> it can't be true unless it's been crowdsourced right <laughs> that's right yeah somebody out there gives a shit enough to put it on wikipedia and then maintain that page yeah um melancholia is uh it, it was referenced both in greek and latin from a long long time ago um and like refers to biliousness like having bile but like black bile like like you're like you're rotten on the inside right because <laughs> bile yeah. is usually like a really weird like um slimer from the ghostbusters green color yeah yeah um so like if you a have green like, yellow kind yeah. of yeah and if you have black bile i don't know i just that clearly doesn't have anything to do with like being depressed right we know now but um it like moroseness is kind of or like wistfulness uh-huh. or um saturnine is another like sort of antiquated way of saying it's a mental condition characterized by depression Uh and like aches and pains and hallucinations and delusions which like some people pay for now yeah right like yeah uh so don't look a mental gift horse in the mouth (laughs) mental gift horse (laughs) um it's a concept from ancient or pre-modern medicine it says here I, I just want to tangentially say, if it's not a gift, absolutely look that horse in the mouth. Yeah. You want to like, know what you're paying for. Right. Yeah. That's an important distinction. Nobody ever talks about that. Right. Anyway. That horse is overpriced. 
Um, so like it could it like manifests melancholy and manifests as like physical or mental or both sets of symptoms. Um, it says here that it, what like what you reference is that it was sort of the predecessor to a an actual like psychiatric or mental health assessment of depression or or like a diagnosis of clinical depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sometimes actually still referred to in medicine. Right. Right. Um, and this is, uh, so we're, I, when I originally thought of this idea as a podcast, I was more interested in sort of the more general layman's term, like interpretation of sure. the idea of melancholy, right? Which I think we both have like plenty of yes. <laughs> to go around and, right, like, right. a lot of personal perspective from that. Yeah. And, um, and I just thought it would be an interesting topic to talk about, um, both from a, like personal point of view and also uh, there is a certain joy in it um I, I sometimes i would liken it to when you're sick you feel miserable but when you do something that make that relieves the symptoms it kind of feels amazing yeah so, uh, and on that theme yeah. a friend of mine like I think the story was like his dad worked with a guy and the guy's sort of signature saying was like, sometimes feeling better is better than feeling good. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is exactly the sentiment and melancholy often is a weird gateway for that. Um, Or I would describe it as like, I, I differentiate depression from melancholy. Melancholy has a very sort of deliberate. It's like I'm going to go feel that right now, as mm. opposed to this is being inflicted on me. So you can like indulge it. It's an indulgent, right? Like I, in my mind, I mean, my interpretation when I use the word melancholy, like that is the sort of the flavor of depression that it has for me. It's more um, optional, or I, I, I can be more deliberate about it. Yeah. It's something that I would, it, it, it's sort of like nostalgia. Like you can kind of indulge in it. it. You might get sucked into it. Yeah. You're like, you know, like, oh, you know, I started remembering these things and I started looking at these old photos and then I was, you know, the next thing I know I'm taking this trip down memory lane of nostalgia. And oh my God, I burned down memory lane. <laughs> as did I, but, but you can understand. I mean, there's still things that I remember or have more modern memories that I've mm-hmm. created and I still have some n- nostalgia for you know, even some of our shared past that's only been like six months or something. So um, it feels like it's been a goddamn lifetime. Fucking 16 goddamn years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think of melancholy as more on that level rather than the sort of darker depression that, that I imagine many people listening to this are very familiar with where that can be for everybody both it, it means different things to different people <laughs> right. um, but i think that uh i i guess i just personally i think of like melancholy as a weird there's a certain joy to be had there if yeah. you're if you're i think interested. it's kind of um a quintessential part of the human experience yeah and so participating in it feels like kind of okay yeah I mean, not okay in like a, in a, like you will be judged for being reprehensible if you indulge in this. No, like, uh, like it feels sort of fulfilling to indulge in it because it's part of the kaleidoscope of human emotions. Right, right. (laughs) And I think there is some truth in that, um, 
the transition from one one state of emotion to another is oftentimes where there is pleasure to be had. Um, you know, the the highs feel so much higher for having the lows. Sure. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, I mean, obviously everyone has to find their balance, but we're really, st- I, to, just to stick to the whole melancholy idea and the idea of um, sometimes there's a certain comfort in it. Like something is just sort of, you've reached a certain point where you might've been like oftentimes failed projects can have that and, and failed in the way like projects that had to be halted for one reason or another. And it's Mm -hmm. not even, it's not even that I'm mad at myself or that, you know, it's understandable. Something happened like, you know, there was funding that ran out or, you know, things changed and it was no longer relevant, but there's some melancholy there, right? As you have to let go of this, this direction, this path, like your path came to an end at that point and you had to change paths or you needed to change a lot of things. And sometimes that's more dramatic and violent, but sometimes it's much more just a matter of letting go of something. And I always think there's a certain kind of joy of melancholy in that and, and sort of, um, both letting go and being sad about it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, sometimes that's like relationships or sometimes that's, uh, people that, you know, like more, like work, like, you know, as a contractor, I'm oftentimes, you know, meeting people and working with them and then, then the contract ends or the project is finished and my work is done and I move on. And now that relationship is, Do you get to say my work here is done. Um, before you like sweep out the door and you're never seen again. I don't know that I've ever had that moment. I, there's been some moments, um, Programming is weird. I'm programming is never done. <laughs> it's there's just times where I've I've tried to leave it in a state where the client is good with it or, you know, um but I I don't know. I mean, I've had I've had some ends. I don't think I've ever said that. I don't know that it ever occurred to me. Cuz I don't think about it as work in the in that context when I'm there. I mean, I it's work. Like I think about it. If you asked me like, "What are you doing?" I'm working. But if I were talking to a client, I'm not saying to them, I'm working for you. I'm doing this work. It's just more specific. Like this is the project that we're doing. This is where we are. This is yeah. the timelines. And well, yeah, so or well, when it's over, it's always like, I'm just like, you know, hey, like this is a celebration. Like, look, we got in and we got everything done. And now yeah. you guys have what you were, you know, hoping to have. And everybody's really happy. And that's a super great time. But it is a little, there's a little bit of melancholy because I know I probably won't see those people again for a long time or possibly ever, depending on, you know, where in the country they were, you know, working in the first place and where I'm meeting them. So, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think if I have like any kind of nostalgic feelings or like melancholic feelings about places I used to work. Yeah. No, mostly I would just... I, I mean, I don't have them... I don't usually have those feelings for the places. It's usually oh, just people. Sure. It's just that moment, you know, maybe I worked with somebody really closely for a while and now that's come to an end. And, you know, um, I mean, oftentimes, like, we'll have lunch again at some point or something, but it's, mm-hmm. it's never quite the... Does it just feel forced and... No, it just feels... Get a little wave of melancholy. Yeah. You know, just a little bit like, oh, that's, you know, a little sad. I don't know. I don't know. I it's something I 
my personal experience with melancholy. Mm. Yeah. I think my heart's an autoclave for things like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like, Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. I have no idea what that feels like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was reminded, uh, that there's also a really awesome and weird movie called melancholia uh-huh. that was made in 2011. Um, and, uh, Kirsten Dunst is the main character and she's like a bride who's about to get married and there's a massive planet that's going to slam into the earth and kill everybody. Oh, that's yeah. And um, Lars von Trier made it. Oh, Trier Trier. I'm I'm honestly not sure how to pronounce his last name. Sorry, (laughs) but he writes great, Maybe he'll, maybe he'll come on our podcast and and he can berate you for or uh friendly like teach you how to pronounce his name correctly right i'll he'll say it and then i'll say it back that in a way that sounds exactly the same and then he'll say it back exactly the same at me insinuating that i had said it wrong yes, when i said it exactly. exactly the same as he said it the first time right, right and we could do that for a while yes yeah um <laughs> At some point, I'll get in on he it. He seems and I'll like, like the kind of guy who's going to love that. I'll correct you, <laughs> and then he'll turn to me and correct me for correcting you, and it'll just go round and round and round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I really liked about this is that he said his inspiration for the film came from a depressive episode that he had suffered. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, let that be a lesson the next time that you're feeling a little down and depressed, possibly about your station in life or not achieving as much as you'd want it to, uh-huh. and then think about Lars von Trier, Trier, and how when he was depressed, he made a whole movie about it. Mm-hmm. So pick yourself up by your depressed bootstraps, right? And make something of your life. You wouldn't be depressed if you would just apply yourself. I think you need an attitude adjustment. That's what it is. That's obviously what it is because that's how that works. Yeah, totally. Right. Well, just try not being depressed. Just stop having emotions if they're that inconvenient for you. Yeah, I know a few people have uh, done that. It right. doesn't work out. It it works out real weird, if you know what I mean. I can, well, I was just going to say, I can do it for a little while. Yeah. And then it sort of like builds up like when you shake a can of pop. Yes. And then it opens and it gets in the strangest places after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Months later, I'm cleaning and I'm like, oh, more of this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. So, um, yeah, that... That filmmaker is like great and writes amazing movies and makes them and you should watch them. But just speaking of things you should do, you know what you should do is we need to um, take a little break and we can talk about our sponsorship that we got for this podcast. That's great. Yes. This is so exciting. Yeah. So this podcast is brought to you by butt space. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so, sorry i shouldn't laugh it's a serious yeah serious i mean we issue. got paid a lot of money and so because of <laughs> butt space uh, we we're supposed to talk about it a little bit so now we're basically um being corporate shells and talking about butt space so basically butt space is, is it does what it says on the tin um you know if you want space for your butt butt space is the place to go that's right i use it all the time i love having space for my butt um i use it in the car i use it at home I use it if I'm, you know, at somebody's office because I work from home. So, it's, you know, mm-hmm. most of the time my butt space is at home. But right. um, I mean, I'm using it here. I'm visiting you at your home yeah. where we're recording this podcast. And I brought my own butt space with me. You did. And butt space actually is super portable, too, 
Um, and you can take it anywhere, and it's really versatile. It's pretty amazing. I really recommend. I like. I know we're getting it? paid to say this, yeah. but I do kind of really appreciate the product. I would say even if we weren't getting paid, because I really love butt space. Would you though? I mean, I let's would. be honest. No, I'm I not, would. I wouldn't shut up about it. That's true. I'd be a butt space evangelist. <laughs> You'd be a butt space. <laughs> you already are. Already this am. is why it's convenient that they decided to pay us to to, to talk about right, it. Right, we were place. we were already talking about yeah. it already. Anyway, um. The people over there at Butt Space are doing a really great, great thing. Yeah, um, they have an are. online community called Butt Space. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. So, like, you can have virtual Butt Space and like Butt Space in your real life. Yeah, it's simultaneously. It this the other thing that I found really amazing is like how affordable it was most of the time. Some of the Butt Space products, I was like, mm, that is a little pricey, but if you're and also they have a free trial right now actually if you um mm-hmm. go on our website you can get a promo code we'll send it we'll put it down there right i think it's like a month free butt space or something i think it might even be more than that it, it might, might be, be. Two. it might be too they're pretty competitive when they offer like you know intro yeah introductions yeah. to the butthole i mean they they really want to capture as many happy customers as they can i mean i've been so i've been using them probably for the last six months now i think possibly longer that's as far back as I can remember anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they're great. You have a long yeah. butt space memory. I do have a long. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. Cause it doesn't matter. Because that's the great thing. Like, yeah. if I was unhappy with that, I would just, again, just go check out butt space. They've got all these solutions, all these, like, varied products, like, depending on what you're looking for, yeah. how you want to be using your butt space. Just. They have, they also have a new thing now where um, they have, like, a, like, a, um like a concierge kind of so you can log in to your account and then you can start working on your own butt space. And if they have any ideas about it, they'll like, you can basically check a box and say like, I'd love like your feedback and then they'll give you feedback Mm -hmm. about your butt space and what, like how you might be able to improve it. That's really, I didn't realize that they offered that as a service. They're, they're even exceeding my expectations and I thought I knew everything about them. Right. Anyway, butt space, highly recommended. And uh, anyway, so now right. back to our regular show. Yeah, so... Um, joy of melancholy. Joy of melancholy. I, I, so the other thing, kind of like on the theme of... Um, what did your friend say about being... Uh, sometimes feeling better is better than feeling good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes melancholy is the feeling I would describe coming out of depression. So it feels better than the depression. It's not hopeless necessarily where depression I imagine is like hopeless. Whereas melancholy is that, that sort of state between where I know that hope is a thing. I know that I may, I like, I can see it coming, Mm -hmm. but I'm feeling both a little bit sad about how sad I was and how much time I spent being ridiculously sad about things. And then seems a little bit more nuanced than the bottom of a crushing depression. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. right. Like it's not that like soul crushing, just like <laughs> obliteration of my whole existence. It's, 
it's it, it, it that like using that kind of analogy mm-hmm. it's a weight you can carry around like i can go do my whole day in a melancholy state it's basically just like a set of shackles as opposed to yeah a prison right like it's like those um you know they put those big bowling ball or those big yeah. weight balls on it like chain on your ball and chain ball, ball and chain, chain. <laughs> yeah, i was like what's the word for that mm. <laughs> Not your wife. That's the joke. Oh, Paul and Jane. Right. (laughs) I was like, I knew I was actually trying to think like through the route of the joke first back to the Is that is that one of the jokes that's ruined now by um what's her name? I mean, I've never thought that joke was funny, but Yeah, so okay, uh earlier today, Ned and I were talking about um how he's morally remiss at this point for not having seen Hannah Gadsby's stand up titled Nadine. Yeah. Or no. Duh. God, I just fucked that up. Nanette. Nanette. And Nanette is not necessarily integral to the actual story that she tells in this comedy special. Yeah. But was the name of a woman she was like sort of aspirationally pursuing romantically, which turned out to be like nothing, I think, is Uh how the story goes. But anyway, um, there's a bunch of jokes and just whole schools of what used to pass for comedy that because of how hannah gadsby framed thinking about those jokes and what makes them funny i cannot laugh at them anymore and i find that the people most complainy about the type of comedy that she's ruined are the Uh people who espouse that kind of comedy in their own work and most of those people no not all of them yeah pretty much well there's a couple i can think of that don't really fit this description but um Usually they're lazy white guys. Sure. Whose jokes just involve pointing out ways that you could obviously make fun of other people. Right. And not really, like, you expect your audience to do the work of the punchline. Yeah. Like, because you can't even be bothered to write one. And it's just shitty, lazy, funny, unfunny shit. Right. And it's like, yeah, it was never funny before. We just didn't have the courage not to laugh at your dumb shit. And now we do. And you feel really bad about that. And we don't care. And it's great. So you have to see it because okay. it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. And it's actually like in really funny. Yeah. A ton of it is really funny. I, I, but I some of it's so. very melancholic. Yeah. Um, why are we talking about Hannah Gadsby again? Why? Oh, I was uh, because we were talking about ball and chain. And oh, right. Not and the yeah, joke. So the like actual ball and the chain. Bo- actual ball and chain. Yeah. Yeah. So she like uh, that would definitely be. <laughs> joke ruined by hannah gadsby which is yeah. fine ruined the joke I, that hannah. joke was ruined a ruined long time ago it's really not that fa- it's, it's not funny it was never funny it's just sad also like weird over the hill stuff isn't funny yeah like oh my god you're old <laughs> like and what's crazy is that over the hill is like 40 which we both yep are just doing our best to right blow right past yep and um it's not that old and the only reason anyone thought it was old because the life expectancy was so shitty back then and so like making it to 40 was uh, like all of the it's all downhill from all here. the marketing around that fake holiday or that like yeah. rite of passage was always like gravestones and like canes canes and, and yeah. like walkers you're gonna you're gonna die is yeah. basically like oh god it's such a negative message yeah you're 40 now here i got you a cane and and this walker it's hilarious you're over the hill like i can't remember if i told you about this about when i had an audi car but it like i inherited it from my grandma and it was really nice but as a kid i used to really enjoy riding around in it Uh uh-huh 
and it had power windows before power windows were a thing. Yeah. And my my grandpa was having like some fucking over the hill party. Uh-huh. Like that's how that's how nuts it was. Like yeah. how anyway, I, like in my lifetime there was an over the hill party for my grandfather um who is now long dead. So he like it was having this party and our job me and my grandma was to go pick up all the party gear and it was yeah. all just like 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 stuff that would be appropriate kind of for Halloween, like dark and sort of spooky <laughs> and like, and like very and gallows like, humor, uh-huh. which uh, is kind of goth if you decorate around it correctly, if you accessorize correctly. But anyway, yeah. I had to hold these like picket signs, uh-huh. you know, like a sign on a stick. Mm-hmm. And they were like, over the hill. And I was sitting in the front seat of the car, which is like oh, ridiculously yeah. dangerous because uh-huh. I was a, I should have been, I think, in a car seat. Right. And forgive me, everyone, if I've told this story already on this podcast, but I I was fucking around with the windows because I couldn't help myself because they were just so cool. Yeah. And I was holding in one arm, I was holding onto the wooden, like these rough, splintery, shitty, like wooden picket fences. Right. Or like picket, um, not signs. fences, signs. Sure. Duh. And uh, man, I'm like really intelligent on this one. And so anyway, I rolled down the window and it ha- it was like the windows now where if you push it just a little bit, yeah. it only goes a little bit. But if you give it a solid push, it automatically the yeah. retracts the entire way. And so that happened and we were on the freeway at freeway speed and like the signs got sucked out the window of the car uh-huh. and I went with them. Because I didn't want to let them go because I didn't want to get in trouble. Uh-huh. And one of the signs like ripped where it was stapled to this cheap wood uh-huh. stake at the bottom. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And of course, nobody noticed. And my grandma didn't even notice me like it sucked out the window. So I kind of like got back in and pulled all the signs in with me and then like rolled up the window. And it was like, it kind of reminds me of like on a cartoon uh-huh. where people on the uh, one side of a door are unsuspecting until they open the door to like the hell on the other side of the door and manage to like slam it shut and get out of breath. Right. <laughs> Which has actually happened to me two times in my life, once in that car and then another time in a tent. <laughs> which was like a super serious mountaineering tent that you kind of like attach to the side of a cliff like uh-huh. like it's a web that just yeah. tacks onto the cliff and it's meant for ascending the mountain and where yeah. you where you, you eventually have to sleep and so this thing was like windproof and amazing and didn't billow or do anything like there was wind and all insanity howling outside and we didn't know it until we opened the door and then like zipping it back up was like ah (laughs) just two people screaming and like frantically flailing for the zipper that's flapping around in the wind and there's like all kinds of shit getting inside the tent is zipped it up like oh my god what the hell is going on out there anyway yeah yeah so over the hill shit um weird stuff oh it's so yeah weird stuff i don't know I mean, talk about like a party designed to induce melancholy in the person who's being right. celebrated. Right. It's like you should be depressed right now because it, this is as good as it gets. It's just a like ritualistic confrontation of mortality. Yeah, but not in a like a healthy context. Right? <laughs> Let's get drunk and try to forget the fact that but we're going to remind you of it so we feel better about ourselves because yeah it's funny if it's true and it's not you yes right (laughs) right i guess uh if you say so yeah 
Um, I, uh, I thought that there were some interesting concepts that are sort of linked to melancholy uh-huh. or melancholia, um, or, you know, adjacent or related to, um, yeah yes like nostalgia being one of them yeah nostalgia is a really interesting i i'd never really thought about that but when we were looking at the wikipedia article and reading some of the other um suggested articles that are at the end of this article um one of them was nostalgia and i immediately thought oh man those feel very similar to me they have this um it's sort of this like wistful feeling a little bit or I'm not really sure, but um, I I definitely now think of those two as very similar, like in the same family of feelings um, or possibly like intertwined a little bit. Like you can be very like have a nostalgia plus a little bit of melancholy, you know, layered in there. Yeah. It almost seems like one sort of precedes the other. Like nostalgia is a form of melancholy or like, or maybe not, maybe not. I mean, it doesn't have to be a linear. They feel, I just, they're, there's a lot of the like my emotional state those feel very centered like um they feel like synonyms a little bit yeah like emotionally like it's i'm like yeah that transition from one to the other is not shocking sure um yeah it's not abrupt no it's not abrupt it's not they're definitely not polar opposites by any means um yeah and then there's another one that I think I'd heard of one other time, but I, I just wasn't that familiar with. And, uh, it's called, uh, Saudad. Saudad. Yeah. And it's a specifically, it's a form of nostalgia for, um, a place or like a love that you have for something that you can't get back. And, uh, the context in which I learned about it was specifically, um, nostalgia for a, a physical place. Mm-hmm. that you can no longer go to for instance places that have been destroyed by war or oh, sure. like people who are part of a diaspora uh-huh. would experience saudad and apparently people outside of america use this phrase a lot more than people in america because sure. we're isolationist and we <laughs> right are like real territorial yeah. so <laughs> like all our shit's still here <laughs> right. um to, for the most part but um yeah for all kinds of reasons i can think of how i experienced saudad you know, mm-hmm. from time to time. Um, and in what context, like I experience while I'm out traveling and I'm away from my house in Minneapolis, like I'm nostalgic for the houses. I remember it before I, um, sort of left for an extended period of time. Right. And so what I'm nostalgic for is actually something that it will not be again in the way that it was. And also, the people that, well, people, my cats, yeah, who were there with me from me being at that house till now, yeah, not being so much in the house all the time. Um, one of my cats is not with us anymore, and so when I think of my house, I can't but think of both of the cats being in the house with me. So sure. I'm so I have saudade for like the state of being in my house with my cats, right? Which I'm never gonna have again, right? But I, so I think of that, that's the one that comes up on a regular basis. Yeah. And I'm sure when we're not like traveling so quite so frequently, it'll be, I'll be nostalgic for that. But if we sail around the world. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Right. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
or just like I don't know. I think saudade probably happens when you had a hand in creating something that over time sort of becomes owned by the collective and so your personal stake to it or your personal stake in it and your claim to it are mm. sort of obscured by time and memory and so, like for instance um i'm thinking of the cathedral in saint paul that uh, my friend mentioned when she was visiting us yeah um when they tore it apart to replace the roof, there were people who had put like all kinds of things in that old dome roof really? to like commemorate it when they were, when they were building it. So people right. had written messages in the wood that, you know, were then rediscovered after right. they took it apart piece by piece because right. they couldn't demolish it. They had to deconstruct it in order to preserve the building underneath that would support the new dome. Right. When they right. laid the new copper up there. So there was just all kinds of stuff from, you know, God, I don't know when that building was built, when the cathedral was built, like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, like when people had horses and shit, like before cars, I think. Oh, okay. So, uh, old stuff. America didn't. We've always had cars. We're America. We're America. America was built on cars. And by America, cars. I mean we're the U.S. and right. not those other countries that we share this continent with. Yeah, of course, that whole isolationist thing again. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think uh, uh, when they when they began work on the cathedral, yeah, there were all sorts of stories in the newspaper and like people recollecting stories about the the church itself, the cathedral itself, and like. Um, it was just like sort of weirdly nostalgic for the entire city of St. Paul. I can imagine <laughs> well, that. Well, and, which is, there's a lot of Catholics. And so like Catholic people everywhere were like, oh my God, it was uh -huh. sort of a rite of passage or something for them. So huh. yeah, I think of that, like, right. Like people were really attached to that old roof. They just love the way it looked. Uh -huh. And the new one was when it was first put up was like bright, shiny, new penny copper. Oh, it has okay. since dulled to like that dark brown copper. And at right. some point will eventually turn green like the whole cathedral roof used to be. Yes. Right. And so I think also people are nostalgic for it because it looks like a different building now. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. Sure. And so everyone alive now. Yeah. Or everyone alive at the time that they realized they had to replace the roof yeah. knew that building in one context. in one context yeah. and the religious people that attended services there yeah. had like an emotional and you know religious attachment to it too. Sure. And so changing the face of it or the, the hat of it, the toupee, uh -huh. whatever the hair, uh -huh. whatever metaphor that would translate to um, people were kind of like sad about it. Yeah. Because that green color looked really fucking cool. I mean, the patina looked awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it'll come back. It, yeah. It sounds like, but it will take a little while to really get there. Yeah. And I'm sure there's some people some... who died before they ever got to see it because it hasn't changed back yet. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't yeah, it will be, corroded yet. I'm sure so. it'll still be a while. It'll be a while, but that's yeah. fine. Right. And we might get to see Hallie's Comet again, some of us. Some of us. Yeah. That's another thing that is like, I have Saudade for that. Uh-huh. Um, when I was a little kid, God, when did it come through? In 84? That sounds right. Yeah. yeah I was I four years old. When I was, yeah. You were five. Yeah. Something. The uh, city of Minneapolis used to have a planetarium. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And it was still around in eight, in the 80s, early 80s. Um, and so my two aunts, Patty and Cubby, took yeah. me to see Halley's Comet at the minneapolis planetarium oh that's cool and i remember seeing it yeah and then it was late after and so they took me to this like diner 24-hour diner uh -huh. 
called Mickey's with like the best fucking pancakes you'll ever eat. I just, they've almost ruined me on pancakes everywhere else. And I've tried so many, so many disappointing pancakes. <laughs> but anyway. It's hard when you get something like that so early in life. Yeah. And I, like, I, I remember. Ruined, I've been ruined on this forever. Right. Yeah. It's just terrible. It's a ugh, melancholy for pancakes. Uh-huh. Bad pancakes give me melancholy. For real. <laughs> yeah. It's just so disappointing. And it's food. So it's like an emotional disappointment on top of it like a meta disappointment right like now i feel sad and hungry <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i remember that um that planetarium was really fucking cool That's and cool. mickey's pancakes are really delicious and i would love to see that comet again because if i do it'll be near what would be reasonably anticipated to be the end of my lifetime yeah <laughs> unless we live to be like 120 which could happen sure so <laughs> right or whatever but yeah i i right i'm the same you know i really i look forward to seeing that my dad took me when i was five um like yeah. we went camping and went and saw it so it was pretty cool yeah, yeah i i <laughs> I never got to see like any of the laser shows at the planetarium. Oh, we should go. They have laser shows in San Diego. We should go really? see some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the, at the um, planetarium. That's uh, no, sold. I think they're at the, anyway, they have a, um, yeah, they have laser shows. I used to go see, um, they used to have these shows like they'd have like Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd and then they would, you know, play the whole album and then they'd have laser Floyd. Like, yeah. Like dark side of the moon lasers. I hate Pink Floyd. It's <laughs> fine. I like, I, I'm not speaking to whether I like it or not. It's just, that's what they, the, like, I remember going to see those shows and then also like a lot of Led Zeppelin stuff, um, was pretty cool. But also I was like 17. Yeah. It doesn't, I had no sense of music at that point. Yeah. So I think, um, in hell yeah <laughs> they're playing dark side of the moon the whole they're time they're <laughs> playing dark side of the moon it hell the music in hell is uh-huh. uh a single stage uh-huh. that surrounds you okay. and so no matter what direction you turn to get away from what's happening you're, watching you're just show. watching the show right um and on that one stage simultaneously are all of the bands you hate uh-huh. and so for me that would be like the beatles uh-huh and pink floyd yeah and oh god i don't know there's a uh, there's a whole host of others but uh suffice it to say everyone's version of that is a little different sure sure maybe limp biscuit <laughs> they've probably convinced a bunch of people to wear their hats in a dumb way uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> uh. and of course there's infighting Yes. Like they're probably screaming at each other about being drowned out right. by Paul McCartney uh-huh. or something. I don't know. It's just, it's mayhem. It's awful. That's kind of hilarious. This, the sound yeah. guy doesn't know what he's doing. Right. Right. He's no like, Brad Kern. <laughs> but the sound is always good enough that you can hear everything clearly. Right. Just just to really drive home. Piercingly, Piercingly unavoidably clearly. clearly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like the, the whole time some drunk dude is like sweating beer sweat all over you. Yes. And occasionally spearing, spilling his beer on you. Yep. In your hair. In your hair. Yeah. So your hair is now sticky and stiff in some places and right. like matted together. 
and you can't go anywhere else because you're constantly avoiding like people are smoking all around you and they're holding oh, their cigarettes yeah. down, down. In the crowd. so you're like trying not to burn holes in your clothing mm-hmm. or anything right else or thigh. just be burned in any way right yeah yep. yep um the floor is sticky don't know with what right don't want to know right. just don't fall down the guy the guy behind you is literally peeing into his beer cup right now you can see and then, it and then he's throwing it into the crowd right <laughs> Oh God! And you're you're taking a little <laughs> moment of of sort of relief that you're that close that you're not a target, mm-hmm. but then you're disgusted by this action and the just horrified by the thought of it, and now you're terrified that some pee is going to rain down from above because you know if he's doing it, someone else is doing it. Right? There's some guy in a mosh pit <laughs> who's like so out of control and violent that literally everyone has just cleared enough room not to be caught in his path nobody's trying to mosh with him it's just him yeah (laughs) it's probably gg allen (laughs) and he's got poop everywhere (laughs) right it's like a a spinning biohazard right a real biological hazard going on right now right (laughs) not well contained just right in front of you oh Mm -hmm. so that's what hell's concerts are like right you know so as you come out of that, you have some little melancholy as like life normalizes, but you're not actually yeah, and the relieved worst, of the su- suffering. Yeah, you're not relieved of the suffering. And on top of that, you have to feel bad about the fact that you're melancholic because it's for something as obnoxious as that. Yeah. And so it's an unsatisfying melancholia <laughs> right. on top of it. There's no joy in that melancholy. <laughs> no. No. There's no feeling better either. Right. I think sometimes I... Um, I I'm it's been I haven't slept a lot like in the last two days <laughs> so um I was just thinking about how I have like a weird nostalgia slash a little bit of melancholy that I'm not in a bathtub right now oh. or just like generally th- there's many times in my life like in the last week thinking it's gonna be a while before I can take a bath like hours I've got to do this thing I have mm-hmm. to do this thing. Why am I not just sitting in the ni- the perfect temperature of water, reading a book with no one disturbing me? Yeah. It's, I, I mean, why aren't you? I don't know. There's, I don't, that's not, that's not a rhetorical question, I guess, for me. I, I want to know why you're not. I do it very regularly. I yeah. mean, I think I do it enough that it's, it, it's why I miss it when I'm not doing yeah. it. See, there it's we go. It's a weird obsession of mine, I think. Yeah, there we go again, because the the house, my house, the Far Shore, yeah. um, when I got it, I had a budget that I set aside. Like I was like, what's really important to me to spend money on in this house? Because it needed a lot of work when I got it, and that's yeah. why I got it. Right. And I lived in like a tent in the living room for a little while. It was great. Um, the thing I had the biggest budget for outside of the kitchen Yeah was the bathroom because good choice minneapolis is really cold sometimes like 26 below zero actual temperature not like oh the wind's blowing from the arctic and it's making it a little colder than it would be if the wind wasn't blowing right no like actually detrimental to your human tissues if exposed for more than a few seconds and also will kill you if you sit in it for too long right like it feels like you're dying you can feel it because you are because you are right terrible um 
our friend Calamity knows all about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he came and visited me, and I was like, you picked the dumbest time to be here. <laughs> uh, and then he made me run around downtown on foot looking for a gym, a 24-hour gym that did not exist. And I was like, I guarantee you this is not the actual gym. It's their corporate offices. Like, this is going to be a fruitless adventure on the coldest day <laughs> of the year. Of the year. And uh-huh. the second coldest day I have ever experienced in my whole life. Oh, and it was terrible. And it was a corporate office. It was not a gym. That's hilarious. We did find the gym eventually, but we had to drive and look for it. So the point is for me to exist in a state like that. Yeah. A, a, a perilously cold state of existence. I decided that I needed to spend a lot of money on my bathroom. And so my furnace is right below the bathroom in the house Uh and so if you turn the furnace on uh, the air that comes into the bathroom is straight off the burner in the furnace Uh so you can turn it up to like 80 yeah and you can turn the bathroom if you shut the door into a sauna that's awesome which is great and that's exactly what i do before i take a bath and then i filled the bathtub up and i got the kind that's like a soaking tub like the giant ones Uh that you can sit and get submerged all the way up to your chin yeah and i got one of those I'll, we'll see. I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, well, I'm, other I'm, people who are as tall as you have fit in that tub. Yeah. Up to their neck like yeah. that. So you can be completely covered. Yeah. And I spend so much time in the bathroom when I'm there. Yeah. Because it's so cold outside and it's like uh-huh. the little sanctuary in the house that I got a bathtub that's big enough for two people to sit in because I'm like, if you want to talk to me, you're going to have to come in here. <laughs> That's great. And I'm not going to make you perch on the toilet with the lid down the whole time. Like, you're just going to have to sit in the tub, too. And so, like, in the wintertime, you can get a lot done when you're sitting in the tub. Like, watch all of the television that you didn't have time to get to during the day when you were doing productive things and such. Such like. So, what I would do, I bought an extra giant-sized water heater Uh so that I would hypothetically never run out of hot water. Yeah. And I could fill the entire volume of the bathtub up with just straight hot water. Yeah. And then I set the water temperature like on the water heater it's Uh, set to the like danger for children zone like if you have children anywhere near your house at 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 any point in time don't use this setting setting on the water heater because it will burn the flesh off of a person's body right um that hot like 165 degrees hot and i just fill the whole tub up with it straight hot Uh and then i sit in the bathroom with the heat on really really high Uh and um I sit in there for however long it takes for the bathtub to cool down just to the point where I can tolerate it. Uh And then after I've like dry sweated in the bathroom from the heat from the vent, I get in the bathtub and like just really pour sweat, but I'm in the tub. So it gets all clean. Right. Great. And a lot of times when I do this, I might even take a shower first if I'm actually like grimy, dirty person. Right. Um, So that when I just sit in the hot and sweat it out, it's just like, it's clean nice. sweat right um and this whole process takes around like four hours if you do it right, right. <laughs> so it's great it's right really it's fun. Just this protracted yeah. ritual of bathing both the cats would come in and sit with me in there uh-huh um and i had a little table that i would set up so i would make a little comfy spot on the floor and i would like stretch and like yeah. sit in the hot and put my little computer up and my little it was great i had a whole ritual around this so i missed that tremendously yeah because it was just so indulgent but at the same time it didn't feel unnecessary right right um and like i i it appears that i interpret cold weather even slightly cold weather like a pain signal where other people are like it's just cold what's the problem i'm like yeah but it's painful right like it actually hurts and the colder it gets the worse it hurts and I don't know if that means I have like fucking MS or some shit. Right. But it's 
a, it's a massive quality of life issue for me. It's not just like, I'll just put on a sweater. It's like, I can't get warm and I feel like I'm dying all the time. Yeah. And it hurts no really fun. bad and my joints won't move and like, right. whatever. So, um, and yet you lived in Minneapolis. Yeah, forever for the whole time. Uh, the that whole sounds time. Like hell for you. Well, it's nice because in the summertime when it gets really, really hot, I don't have an air conditioner at my house. Yeah. And so I don't have to spend money cooling the house. I right. can just sort of rack up all that money. Like my bill in the summertime for heat and gas is like 30 bucks. Oh, that's nice. A yeah. month. And in the winter, the most it's been is like 280 one month because it was the month that like. It was that it was when it was 26 below and there was right. just no way that the furnace wasn't on 100% of the time. Right. Like you can barely keep up with the temperature outside. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird, too, because the temperature in the high inside the house will be like 73 or 74. Yeah. Or at my house, it's like 75. Right. And it says that and you know that that's what the temperature is, but you can still tell on some like weird sixth sense level that it's mean. like real fucking cold outside. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. I No, I know what you mean, because it's um, if you have uh, forced air or like you have an air circulation, you know, if your heating is like that, um, then there's actually like different spots. I feel like when you get yeah. closer to the walls, you can feel that they're colder. And that and it, yeah, it's like you can feel the heat being sucked away from you. Yeah, even when you're warm and it's kind of like ambient warm around you. Yeah, I think that's. I think I'm able to recognize that now because uh, the first coldest time that I was outside, I was out in 30 below weather for like four or five hours. Right, and I had all the gear to get you to like 20 below. Okay. Yeah. But the extra 10 degrees below was it's, like... It's a deal breaker. <laughs> it's It was... I was with another person and we were doing significant physical activity the entire time. We were yeah. walking or running at a pretty quick pace. Yeah. And we were doing that to like accomplish the tasks we had to do as quickly as possible. But also because it, as soon as you stopped moving, you were like, <sighs> like dangerously cold. Right. And so I don't know how many calories we burned because I was m physically moving as much of my body at any given time as I possibly could. Right. With s as many layers on as you can really functionally wear. Yeah. And boots that were good to a rating of 20 below zero. And I was just freezing and you just feel it leaving you. You feel like right. it, at that point, it feels like life force just like being sucked out of you. And it's hard to sort of fight the instinctive panic that like, I'm going to die <laughs> this way. Because <laughs> right. I knew we weren't, but yeah. it really felt like it. Um, you know, it, it it feels like other times when you're in a situation that emulates chaos, but feel is actually controlled, like right beneath giant fireworks, for instance, where you're like, ah, this feels yeah. like I should be scared right now. And I kind right. of am, even though intellectually, I know that this is supposed to be happening. Right. But yeah. Anyway, that was a long story about how cold Minnesota is. <laughs> <laughs> I do not one. miss that. Yeah. Like at all. Where we are right now is like in the mid 30 degree range. And I am like dying. Yeah. It's. Um, it feels regrettable. <laughs> it's much. It's much colder out here than it is in San Diego. At least I think it's. I, I haven't checked the weather right now, but I think it was like in the mid 50s. Mm -hmm. it's it's so weirdly you like, have lower highs and higher lows yes yeah it's just not as extreme it's just very like middle of the road like all the time 
Um, sometimes it gets really hot in the summer, but we're not talking like above a hundred talking like in the nineties, you know, typically. Yeah. Um, which is just fine. It's perfectly comfortable once you relax and get on with your day. To illustrate the scale of temperatures that I prefer to live in. Yeah. I don't take a sweatshirt off until it's like 80 degrees outside. Yeah. And this summer I was doing laundry on like an outdoor laundry line. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like putting up big sheets and things that took a lot of like physical movement and effort to put up. Yeah. And it wasn't until it peaked at 118 degrees that day that I was like, maybe, maybe this is a little warm to be doing this. <laughs> I was like, I think I need to go sit down and drink like a gallon of water. Right. <laughs> so 118 with vigorous physical exercise is my upper, near my upper limit, it turns out. Uh-huh. But it did get to like 121 here one day and I wasn't Ooh. doing anything. And yeah. I was like, this is not that bad. Right. I could go higher. Right. <laughs> my neighbor in Minneapolis, Dan, is uh-huh. an avid traveler and goes to deserts and places that are very remote all the time and has... Um, he has not himself found his upper limit for heat yet. Really? Nope. I don't, I I do okay in the heat. I don't prefer it. I prefer like colder temperatures typically. Um, I don't know. I will say um, when I did one of those, I forget what it's called. It's like a, like it was the sauna experience where they like whip you with like wet leaves. Oh yeah. Um, mm. can't remember what it is. That was pretty tough. Not Turkish. No, not a Turkish was, bath. It was, I feel like it was Russian maybe. Yeah. Or, um, it's like Eastern anyway, European. Or yeah. It, anyway, you, you know, you go in a sauna, but they, they really crank the heat. They throw a lot of water. Like there's a lot of steam mm-hmm. and then they have these, um, like, eucalyptus leaves basically or like some very aromatic leaves that they dip in the water and then they like drench you in it and so you're getting hotter water put on you while you're in the sauna feeling really hot and there were some moments where i was like if this goes on much longer i'm gonna have to get up but then they change something (laughs) you know and they like cool you down from it and they do it and so it's like it was really pushing my limit of that um like my comfort with that or my ability Mm -hmm. to like sit with it yeah um yeah I think, I think as long as I can sweat and it's effective, I'm okay. Yeah. It's when it's like really humid. Like I, when I went to New Orleans when I was a kid and we went to the yeah. jazz festival, holy shit. I remember getting off the plane and just being like, wow, this is not, I, I thought I didn't like humidity. Now I know I don't like humidity. This is rough. <laughs> it was, uh, I eventually it, it became normal and it was fine. Um, but getting off the plane was just an assault on the senses and like the, like you're immediately just drenched. Your clothes are just drenched. Yeah. Like, like I just, nobody even tries to, no, it's like, I just been pushed in a swimming pool and gotten out of it. I mean, that was just like, my hair was just soaking wet. Like every, just, just pouring out of me, just water everywhere. Um, (laughs) and it was, uh, yeah, that was when I was like, wow, okay, this is definitely not what I'm used to. Um, but it was, I, I mean, I had a good time, obviously. Yeah. Like, New Orleans was amazing, especially being, like, 16 and a half, just running around being ridiculous. That town is great. Yeah. 
I have superpowers when I'm there. I love that town. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the heat when we were there, but it was it was March, I think, uh-huh. when we were there, when we stayed there for a, a fair bit of time. Yeah. Um. Uh, it rains every day, like between one and three p.m., which I think is the coolest. That is pretty cool. Uh, that's very similar to um, when I lived in Hawaii. That was a similar experience. Yeah. It was just when I lived on Hilo side of the Big Island. Um, just very like clockwork, like around four o'clock, you just get some. Yeah. Get about forty-five minutes of rain. The summer of twenty eleven in Minneapolis, it was one hundred and five or one hundred and six for several days in a row, and it, <laughs> we had a hundred percent humidity. Really? It was like. How is that even nuts? So yeah. the air was just full of water. When you walked outside, you were just like New Orleans. You were just yeah. wet, right? Like you were in a cloud at ground level the whole right. time. Um, and I stayed outside. I was out like drinking lemonade on a on a lawn chair. Uh-huh. I was maybe the only person outdoors in all of Minneapolis on That's purpose, hilarious. like right. just enjoying it. There yeah. was nobody else. Out. It was like a ghost town. I'm like that with, with extreme weather when I live somewhere. I'm like, oh, I have to go out and feel this for a minute. I mean, within reason of comfortable living. Yeah. Or, well, survivability, right? I'm not like, wow, there's, you know, 15 pound ice balls falling from the sky. I got to go out there and see this. Oh no. my God. That reminds me of a story, but go on. Yeah. I'll, I'll um, put a pin in that. Giant yeah. ice balls. Well, I just mean like I, you know, I, I like going out in the rain. I like going out in the sun. I like going whenever there's a change, if it's snowing, if it's extreme weather, like when I lived in New Jersey, um, it gets pretty cold there. I don't think Minneapolis cold, but fairly, fairly cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was always a pretty exciting time to like go out in the cold, just to, just to experience that. Cause I'm not used to that. I living at growing up in San Diego, it was like, there's not a lot of climate change. Yeah. Um, you're, you're somewhere between like, 65 and 85 all the time time. yeah Yeah. i mean it just gets a little darker earlier right now but that's about it yeah Yeah. um the thing that you made me recall like just ice balls falling from the sky yeah um so there's (laughs) uh minnesota is full of weird weather specifically like tornadoes and thunderstorms that get real strange yeah um and i was out uh, out working again Uh in the summertime and it was really hot. And then, like, strange things happen when tornadoes get uh, spun up because they require all kinds of weird turbulence and, like, temperature and pressure changes. Right, right. And so, um, we were out running around working. And a friend of mine um, who I was working with that day and I were out going around on foot from place to place and talking to a bunch of people. And we were standing on someone's porch like well it was the front stoop really yeah um and there were tornado warnings and there were tornadoes and we didn't really know what was going on and it started to rain like fucking crazy like just a deluge um and the sky was all green which if you live in a tornado a tornadic place yeah it's like the sign that you need to get the fuck indoors and underground somewhere is like this everything turns a weird shade of green well anyway that was happening and we were standing under a little awning over the front stoop that was i'm assuming like aluminum or some kind maybe steel yeah something like that and the hail started Uh and you can tell hail from rain obviously by looking at it but also by the sound it makes when it hits shit right and we were about to step off the front steps onto the sidewalk 
just a couple of steps down in in front of us and a chunk of hail the size of a cinder block just like crashed right in front of us i mean like inches in front of us and if it had hit either one of us it would have killed us for sure right because it was massive yeah like probably weighed 15 pounds wow it was much larger than a bowling ball it was enormous and it was just comprised of a bunch of smaller hailstones that looked like ice cubes that had been melted together into a solid mass like when you buy a five pound bag of ice but like way bigger (laughs) it was like it was crazy and then after that we were like we just started running as fast as we could back towards where we had started working that day to Uh, like we're done we're not yeah non-negotiable right <laughs> Nuts. That's terrifying. Yeah, we had to like pit stop several times. Uh-huh. Um because all of the people who occupied the place where we were working were clearly indoors taking care of themselves. And yeah. so we managed to find somebody with a porch large enough and sturdy enough for us to just sit in. Uh-huh. Um and, and <laughs> like, wait, wait for it to be over. <laughs> crazy anyway yeah, that's crazy wow <laughs> that's funny so yeah minnesota's weather makes me like not nostalgic at all yeah i can imagine tornadoes are kind of exciting but yeah um but not in a really is... great way i imagine like right. you see one and you're like okay that's terrifying moving on yeah yeah they're I kind mean, of they're kind of exciting like but kind lose... of terrifying yeah i mean you know they're so damaging yeah yeah mm. Anyway, um, this podcast is an hour long. It is, and um, I think we've we've at least touched on the idea of the joy of melancholy a little bit. Yeah, we've also gotten off topic a few times. I think we don't usually do that, so right, it's that's kind of a treat. Mm-hmm. Kind of a special occasion. Special occasion, right? Right. Yeah. Um. So i I think for this week, uh, our yeah. tip for living well in hell basically explains itself. Yeah, we've. We've dissected that one quite a bit. Get yourself a bathtub yeah. and use it often. Right. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a solid tip. It's a it's Absolutely. a great way to alleviate some of the some of the the aches me- and pains of being over the hill. The aches and pains of being over the hill and the me- it should help you. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a good anodyne. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, thanks for thanks for enduring the joy of melancholy with us. Yeah. Thanks for uh, for listening in and. The next time you feel melancholy and you're thinking about it, you can just think about our butts over here being melancholic too. Yep. Melancholic butts. Melancholic butts. Thanks, butt space. Right. Thanks, butt space. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to say goodbye now. Okay. 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 Bye. Bye.